Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why will why not? And today's what is going to be a visit to the delightful forums of AfterlifeForums.com. Now, AfterlifeForums.com is a place where people who are curious about the afterlife, whether it exists, whether it doesn't exist, whether their loved ones are waiting for them, or when you die, if you end up in the dirt, or in its ashes, or as food for other things, or all the more realistic possibilities versus the sky one. Yeah, so it's a place where people who are curious about the afterlife come to discuss their beliefs and have them challenged in some cases, perhaps. Who knows? So we'll read that in just a second. But before we do that, of course, I want to thank everyone who supports the podcast on Patreon. I super appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who supports the podcast in different ways through PayPal donations, writing reviews, asking for magnets, telling your friends about it, all the ways that people spread the word about Lou Reads the Internet for you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And as always, there are still magnets available. All you need to do is email me at loureads at gmail.com and I will send you a magnet anywhere in the world for free. It's quite an offer. And if you did and I somehow flaked, please remind me. Don't let me get away with that. I will send you a magnet. As we go into the thread, Afterlife Forums has a little quote at the top of all their posts that says, Afterlife Forums is an online interactive community designed to give seekers direct access to prominent researchers to afterlife literature and to one another in order to foster both spiritual growth and public interest in life after death. And so the first thing we'll read from the Afterlife Forums will be in the Afterlife Forums subforum, join the conversation subforum, general afterlife discussions in a thread entitled, Can I See the Past in Heaven slash Afterlife? Started by Sean MC, and it goes like this. I am being quite anxious about death and the end of life on earth, with all the Christian evangelicals talking about doom and gloom. I was raised Catholic, but I can't, but I can't accept the end of life by divine power. I reject the Christian idea of heaven. What? I hope I am not bugging anybody with all these questions. I would like to live out past times on earth in the afterlife. I am curious and nostalgic about things from my childhood and even before I was born. Would heaven allow this, even if it's not really the physical past, but a spiritual slash mental representation of it? As in, can I still quote unquote feel as if I was living in the past? Can I even see old TV shows and movies, brackets with old commercials that I remember but can't see anymore? I know I shouldn't romance too much about the past. But as for my own generation, I feel like we have the worst this earth had to offer us. And I love learning HG writes. I think the quote unquote end times that Christians talk about has been misinterpreted. The Bible is a very misunderstood book, IMO. Not to mention it was written by many people, edited and translated different ways. That's why I generally don't look at what's in the Bible as truth. But there are some beautiful passages in it. The end times to me is the end of old ways of thinking and awakening to the Christ consciousness. Not the physical Christ, but the Christ light that shines in everyone. But it can be smothered or hidden by hate 
hatred or indifference. Even though things seem like they are getting worse in the world, I believe it is because people are rebelling more against injustice and eventually, hopefully, more people will have awakened to the Christ consciousness, brackets, unconditional love, and the world will start to transform. So I believe it is not that the world is going to end, but that the old world systems, brackets, beliefs will crumble. I've heard that in the afterlife, all time exists at once, and you can visit past, brackets, or future lives if you wish. Anything is possible there, brackets, and actually here, with enough belief. And Bluebird adds, Sean MC, anything anyone can tell you will be their opinion. If there is an afterlife, none of us can know for sure what will or won't be quote-unquote allowed there. That said, I agree with I Love Learning HG that the evangelical Christians take the Bible much too literally, and what they see as literal quote-unquote end times was very likely meant metaphorically by the authors. Also, I would argue that while no time-slash-era is perfect, including the one in which we currently live, there have been much worse times in human history. And Andrew replies, The simple answer to your question is yes. There are accounts of people in the afterlife researching and even re-experiencing their past lives and past events as though they were living them. You could, for example, witness the signing of the Declaration of Independence, Brackets, regarding TV shows and commercials, I have not personally read anything that mentions them in the afterlife literature I'm familiar with, but the vast majority of reliable accounts of the afterlife easily predate cable television. Nevertheless, I am confident that you will be able to satisfy your curiosity. And Highlander adds, Thanks. BTW, I am banned from even reading the other quote-unquote spiritual website. You know, the one with the yellow mustard gas clouds for the background. I didn't sign up or do anything. They just blocked me from reading because they're open-minded and tolerant, I suppose. Nice folks, eh? And Poetic Blue writes, Everyone associated with this site is banned as far as I can tell. What a warm welcoming. An absolute joke. That is a complete non-sequitur as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and Roberta Grimes adds, Dear Sean MC, as always, our wonderful friends here are answering your questions well. With regards to one of your requests, though, I have a bit of inside information. I have been helping Carol to edit Mickey's memoirs in preparation for publication. And one thing Mikey says that I had never seen before, but that is consistent with what we know, is that periods of recent history exist in villages that you can live in or visit. Sort of like a gigantic theme park. Want to do the stroll and ducktails in a poodle skirt? in 50s land? Smoke weed and protest the quote-unquote lack of war in 60s land? Wear big shoulder pads in 80s land? Or maybe it's dancing the Charleston in 20s land that's more to your liking. Brackets, I don't think they named these places. These names are my constructs. People who have recently graduated back to home are wonderfully indulged, as you can see. And the biblical book of Revelation is the ravings of a crazy man driven insane by persecution. No worries about that one. And Jane F. writes, Oh, Roberta, that is such exciting news. I can't wait for Mikey's book. Thanks for sharing. Grinning emoticon. I just remembered about the medium reading I had recently after my mother's passing. She said my mom and dad are living like the 40s when dating and reliving their romance. Smiling emoticon. And Flossie adds, I hope we can go back and look at things from the past. I would want to go and look at my granddad's old house, which is at the top of the town I live in. It was built before 1772. I know that as I researched the local library, but that is far back as my info goes. My mom was nine when she moved there in 1939, just before the Second World War. She was the youngest of ten children, and all the family lived there at one time, even though there was a gap of over 20 years between the mom and the eldest. The stories she told me whilst I was growing up I found so interesting. I 
would love to see it as it was then with a full house. No TV to distract people. People actually had proper conversations then and knew how to party. I loved the house when I visited as a child, and it was my first home, though I don't remember living there. It was haunted by a Quaker. Mum saw him two weeks after moving in, and several of her family also saw him. There were a few unexplainable happenings, one which involved coats being formed into a circle around a dining table when no one was in the house to do it. It happened twice on the same day. Also, a heavy bag of potatoes was moved from inside the kitchen to underneath the middle of that table at the same time. It remained a mystery as to how this happened. I loved the house so much and the stories about it that I did a painting of it. It was demolished in the 1980s and I passed the place often. It's now a builder's yard and I often wonder if the ghost still visits. And Mac adds, I like your question, quote unquote, would heaven allow this even if it's not really the physical past, but a spiritual slash mental representation of it? It's often been debated here what's real and what isn't, whether this physical world is an illusion. If we were somehow able to travel to past times after our passing, would those quote unquote times be quote unquote real or would we experience a representation of them, a construct? And if it weren't actually, quote unquote, real, what would it matter if we felt it was real, experienced it, and it seemed real? Would a representation actually be the same as we're experiencing in this world? Or would a visit to a time that's gone by be seen as reality and all the players able to interact with us? And Jane F. replies to Flossie, Hi, Flossie. It will be a great adventure, which I hadn't even thought about in the afterlife. My mom and dad are apparently reliving their days in the 40s. The medium described her clothes and the way she wore her hair. Her description was exactly like a pic I have of her from the 40s. Even the rhinestone pin of an animal on her jacket. It is a giraffe! I would love to revisit my grandmother's house where I was born. It burned down many years ago. Don't even know what is there. It seems like I remember the day I was born. Hot summer day in the Central Valley of California. No AC, swamp coolers. I have a memory that I had something special to tell mom when I could talk. It faded into a distant memory. Don't know what it was. So for me, I welcome death whenever it comes. Think it will be an exciting adventure. Thanks, Sean MC, for asking the question. And Carol and Mikey adds, Hi, Mac. Great points here. Mikey talks about the aspects of the afterlife where folks of quote-unquote like minds enjoy quote-unquote different eras of time that they had on Earth. They will dress brackets appear in clothes from that era as well as buildings looking from that time span, etc. This apparently is more common than we would think according to Mikey. He tells me what we are experiencing will be real and solid to us. But you know, how great is that? I keep talking about the disco dance 70s and 80s parties I want to have when I get there. And you you know, I do believe it will happen. Now that is heaven to me. Wahoo! Grinning emoticon. Carol and Mikey, quote unquote, in spirit. And Highlander adds, Jane F., I had an NDE, which is a near-death experience, experience about 35 years ago during a night scuba dive in the Pacific Ocean. So I have a little personal knowledge about such things. Although I am by no means an expert, I did see events in my life unfold. I lost track of time, so I don't have an understanding of how long I was quote-unquote out, if that is the correct way of putting things. The experience gave me a perspective that goes beyond the simple events that have transpired, if that makes any sense to you. I I am inclined to agree with your assessment and point of view, which also resonates with me. 
and Poetic Blue writes, We can experience anything that we wish to experience in the afterlife, whether we perceived it to be real in physical form or not, current or past. The afterlife is much like the astral realm in which our thoughts and mentality form our own surroundings. What we perceive to be real, including our thoughts, form, and current mentality, is what we create in our surroundings, both astrally, brackets NDE slash dream state, and in the afterlife. Illusion or not, what we feel in the soul sense is real. What we feel is what we create. In regards to past experiences as mentioned in this thread, those experiences linger on well into the afterlife, shaping current soul mentality, which in turn creates the experiences that we experience. And although that thread goes on for eight more pages, we'll move on to a different thread. So the next thread we'll read is a thread in the Join the Conversation subforum, subforum General Afterlife Discussions, in a thread started by the Astro Martian entitled, Questions About Sex. And it goes like this. Hi, everybody. Sort of new here, mostly lingering around. I just had a question about sex. I know I am being a bit unconventional, but after reading some threads and books, I see that sex is somewhat of a bad thing for some people as they are consumed by it. For me, I am generally passionate about women, so I wonder, even though we don't have a physical body and there is love in the afterlife, can we still explore sexual fantasies in human fashion to experience the thrills? Rather than being stuck in a hellish realm, can we choose to create our own environment and have other entities participate in our fantasies. Could a man who can simulate his body any way in the afterlife have a car trip with helpers disguised as beautiful women on a scenic journey to get explanations to the afterlife rather than simply sit on a park? Just curious if anyone knows the answer. It will be great. I realize that everyone has love in the afterlife, but rather than a statue of a being, can we not extend it to an expression of intimacy based on human principles of lust? Thank you. And Roberta Grime adds, Dear Aston Martian friend, you are no longer new here. Winking emoticon. Thank you for asking such a great question. Here is what my decades of studying the afterlife evidence have led me to understand about sex and the afterlife. 1. We have no interest in sex after death. I know how surprising this seems to you. Apparently there is no taboo about it. There are no taboos in the summer land as we think of them. But it just simply doesn't interest us there. When our much-loved Mikey was asked this question, he said that no one there had any interest in sex at all and he seemed to be amused by the question. And Mikey died at 20, brackets, or was it 22? But this is what they all say. Our sex drive seems to be the product of hormones, culture, and the procreative instinct. And when those things are gone, our sex drive is gone as well. No lust there, dear friend. Lust is a byproduct of earth living and nothing more. Two, we are in fact able to have sex after death if we want it. Rather than just simulating bodies, dear Martian, we all immediately after death inhabit beautiful, solid, young bodies so vigorous that we never even need to sleep. And from the evidence, sex is possible in the afterlife. I have read one account that I can recall. It is just apparently boring. 3. There is a great deal more to do there than here. Part of our obsession with sex here comes from the fact that even the most fortunate of us lead rather hard and pleasureless lives when compared with the constant ease and the many pleasures of the summerland. To some extent, we seem to focus on sex, brackets, and eating too, which is possible there, but also apparently too much bother, because there isn't a whole lot else here that is reliably pleasurable. It turns out that there is actually a sex-like way to produce physical pleasure in the afterlife level a kind of body melding which the dead claim is better than sex and has no moral issues attached to it. That seems not to be much done either. Life there is so full of so many varied pleasures that without a sex drive we focus on all the much richer joys of living. 
4. Obsessing about sex here is potentially dangerous. Sex addicts can become deliberately earthbound, hoping to go on having sex, but the only way they can experience physical pleasure is by occupying a living person's body. These people have to be rescued one by one, and until they are rescued, their condition is horrendous. 5. Love and sex are two different things. We tend to associate love and sex while here, but it turns out without sex attached, love is a lot more intense and enjoyable. Reality is all about learning to love. That is apparently why both the universe and the greater reality exist in the first place. So getting all that sex business out of the way so we can concentrate on loving other people seems to be a very good thing indeed. I understand, dear friend, that all of this might disappoint you, but I can assure you, based on communications from many hundreds of dead people, that it hasn't disappointed them at all. Think of whatever pleasures you find in sex extended to encompass your whole life there, and you will have a glimpse of why, for them, sex no longer matters. And the Aston Martian replies, Hi, Roberta and others. Sometimes I wish I had lived during the 60s or 70s, but I guess the grass is always greener on the other side. I guess I am not new anymore and did have ample time to read about the subject matter at hand. At 21, I am very sexual, and it's one of the few things I find meaning in. Aside from that, everything is an illusion. Since sex itself is a chemical reaction to harbor evolutionary chain of survival in the species, I feel that it is all meaningless. In life, I want to chase after money, so I can give more freely as well as live a lavish life. Yet all this can be instantly manifested in seconds, brackets, earth perception, and the afterlife. I want to have sex to find any sense of happiness and will to live, but even that is meaningless as it's a physical necessity particular in men rather than a destined event which is romanticized in countless movies. It does not disappoint me that I won't need sex in the afterlife per se, but rather relieves me that I won't be judged on that frontier which is heavily pressured upon human beings of the 21st century from movies to music videos to advertisements. What bothers me most is that I am losing my desire to live. Earth seems pointless and my parents want me to do a proper job make money, get married eventually, and live. I would also like to mention that I read your post on your mother surpassing her original due date and living on. I guess perceptions differ. I am 21, but feel that life is the distraction. The more I live, the more I might accidentally hurt someone's feelings. I have years of conditioning, so I am an introvert and a mediocre person lacking ambitions in life. That's why I wonder what my purpose in life is. It sucks that I have to live in a boring world with flawed perceptions and intense limitations. And and Roberta Grimes adds, <laughs> I graduated from college in 1968, and I can tell you firsthand that the 60s and 70s felt no better to be young in than the aughts and the tens. They carry a glow of nostalgia now, but to be young then was to feel as if the world had become so screwed up that there wasn't even going to be a future. I grew up in the 50s, which also have a glow for us now in retrospect, but I can remember being outdoors and playing as a child and repeatedly hearing a plane and looking up and wondering each time whether that one was the plane that would be carrying the bomb. Dear friend, at every age is a great age to be young. We just have to figure out how to deal with it. I'm sorry to tell you that everyone is quote-unquote mediocre at 21. The first half of my 20s, I had no ambition at all and no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Everything that you say in your post is entirely normal for people your age. Even that sense that living is not worth the bother. The only difference is that some people are better suck-ups than others and better at covering up their feelings and more naturally gifted at taking tests. But everyone your age is a blank slate, dear friend. It is going to be up to you to write your 
message. From the perspective of my 60s and after decades of studying the afterlife evidence, here's what I have learned about where you are now. 1. You are a powerful, eternal being. You never begin and you will never end. Your true home is in the greater reality and you are visiting here just briefly. 2. You planned this lifetime so you could learn as much as you can from it spiritually. A whole earth lifetime is just a rough day in school. You entered this one eagerly with high hopes and with a plan that you have altogether forgotten. Brackets, forgetting the plan is actually part of the plan. 3. Your guide is going to help you through it. Each of us has a lifelong spirit guide who helps us to quote unquote hit the marks of, of our life plan and get the most out of our planned experiences. You can reach out to your guide, dear Martian. Simply go to sleep with a question in your mind and then pay close attention to the first thoughts in your mind the next morning. If you are meant to have the answer, then it will be there. We travel out of body and consult with our guides often during sleep in any event. The fact that you are on this forum suggests that your life plan may be to help to raise the consciousness of the earth. There is apparently a generation coming to maturity now who came in specifically to be the next stage of the elevation of human consciousness, which began in the second half of the 20th century. I have met a number of these people. The oldest seem to be about your age, and all of them have what is actually not normal when you think about it. They are fascinated by the afterlife, and afterlife related information. And they will get into this topic so easily that it's clear that they already know this stuff, but they have just briefly forgotten it while growing up. If what we say here resonates with you, then you may well be part of this effort. Try asking your guide and see what you hear back. Again, from my perspective from my 60s, I can assure you that living your life plan is going to be worth the effort. Don't stress about it so much, dear Martian. For now, just try to relax and know that everything in your life and in the life of the planet is unfolding according to plans made in love so great that it is beyond our comprehension. And the Aston Martian replies, Hi, Roberta. Ha 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 ha. Well, nostalgia is something I cherish too, especially that of a simpler time. I do realize the Vietnam War, Cold War, etc. did cause for hippies to emerge in rebellion, but you must smile thinking about the bygone days of your childhood. One question I have for you and anybody is this. Why do psychopaths exist? Why is it they are diagnosed to be born without any morals? Why would a soul or spirit choose to come to Earth, commit heinous crimes, and have no guilt biologically? It must be torture to go through a life review full of pain, suffering, and sadistic deeds. Psychopaths like Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, etc., and then sociopaths with abused childhood endure so much that even after death they may be trapped for centuries on the void. Don't you ever wonder about how much of you is really you? A person with bipolar disorder is not really in control of his slash her life. I myself wonder about why I'm unmotivated and in a daze. At times, I wish I could perform better or have the foresight to actually achieve goals instead of being helpless. If I did choose this life, then I must have been truly to feel like a Byronic protagonist similar to an Oliver Stone movie. I have ADHD or symptoms similar to that as I lack focus and concentration. That is why I daydream mostly. How does one raise the consciousness in a way? In a way, I feel humbled and I must thank you, dear Roberta, for informing and sharing your knowledge to the masses. I personally think that it's good to know that after I personally think that it's good to know about the afterlife as it will help my transition when I do die. That that way I can call for help rather than wallow in my own emotions. However, I don't think learning about the afterlife helps much. <laughs> okay. However, I don't think that learning about the afterlife helps much physically. My conscious is built from a young age, so there is nothing drastic to change per se. Also, if this reality is fake or an illusion, then what's the point of raising one's consciousness when one simply comes here to forget? I guess school is rough. <laughs> 
I guess school is rough that an exit seems more like a viable idea, but even then I am curious rather than emotional. I just feel imprisoned in this body and my circumstances. Next week is work, so 12-hour shifts will only trap me in the rat race. Thank you for being such an angel. And Carolyn Mikey writes, Mikey wants me to tell you that for every challenge you take, a reward can be given. The reward is knowing that love will follow. Life can seem pointless at times, but I do know with each experience, advancement can come. Enjoy yourself. Make happiness. Life is full of challenges and expectations, but it is what you choose to make of it that counts. Quote-unquote psychopaths choose poorly. Mikey feels you can find purpose in life if you realize why you're here. It's for learning and loving. In the end, you will understand what it's all about. Mikey says to enjoy life, it is worth it. Smiling emoticon. He also wants you to listen to the song Love Generation. It is one of the threads called Mikey's Music Message. He tells me it is your generation. Brackets, Mikey was 20 years old when his accident occurred that caused his passing into heaven. Carol and Mikey, quote-unquote, in spirit. And the Aston Martian replies, Hi, Carol. It's an honor that you talk to Mikey about queries from the forum. I heard from Robata that he was in his... I heard from Robata... Robata. <laughs> I heard from Roberta that he was in his early 20s when he passed away, so it's all the more tragic from an earthly perspective. I hope he is doing well. Since you two communicate, I know that he is not trapped and successfully passed on. As for me, I have tried but received obstacles in every path. I tried to find jobs on my own but could not do so without my parents' involvement. I tried to succeed in life but have only been imprisoned by rules. My parents are strict and have sheltered me. I was a good student in school but could not get good grades. I did all that I could and now I am guided to study the afterlife out of sheer curiosity. Just heard the song. It's beautiful. Love is different through each and everybody. In my case, I feel for people, but at the same time associate sex with love too, so it's all confusing. This is one of the reasons I want to move on. It might hurt my parents severely, but I'm curious of what's to come. I want to stop living a lie and start working on the greater truth in the hereafter. As long as I live on Earth, I will be a slave to earthly perceptions and a job. If you've seen the movie Avatar... <laughs> The protagonist was born and raised on Earth. He has a disability, but then he was given a new body, that of an extraterrestrial, to go and study their planet. He could walk with this body and had tremendous strength. Not only could he walk, but he actually got used to his new life and loved every second of it. He still had to switch back to his body from time to time to nourish it and keep logs. In one video log, he said how his real life felt like a dream, and the one where he possessed the alien body felt real. I am just like that. This is a fabricated illusion, and some version of me must have really limited this body so that I would feel humiliated, embarrassed, helpless, and flawed. From a young age, my parents have taught me to go to school, be wary of what others think, and follow a fake religion. And I did all of that. I did what they wanted me to do. All I want to do is move on. While I'm in this body, I will never have the courage to go up to a girl and tell her that I desire her. Even if I do do it, I will only delude myself by giving meaning to the opposite sex when it's purely biological. I will work jobs earning money and giving time away to be a slave of money. I want to go to the afterlife and make a real difference where it counts. I want to go and worry. I don't want to worry about money. I don't want to worry about sex. I just want to give love in the afterlife and be a helper when I can mature realize anything I desire, that's when I will see it's all pointless. As Jim Carrey said, quote unquote, I wish everyone could get rich and famous in everything that they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. I realize that I'm here for a reason. Now I know the truth. Now I want to move on. I may hurt my parents and siblings, but this can be an opportunity of growth for them. They are materialistic and this might be able to wake them up. I know this can be dangerous, but I will call for help. I have visited a shrink, but realized that I am not emotional when I think about this. I simply want to go back home. I don't feel good or bad thinking about it. I just want to escape the imprisonment. My guides are pointless as I cannot establish contact with them. And Majin X3 writes, 
Life is not an illusion here on Earth. Your experiences are very much real. Your interactions and all the movements and transients of energy. It is how the mind perceives these experiences that makes it seem illusory. The only illusion comes not from the world, but from an erroneous paradigm that is counterintuitive to the natural continuum of existence. When you begin to see your thoughts as empty and light only consisting of information and realize that as the reality you can only begin to peel back slightly the veil slash filter that distorts the quote-unquote honest experience. This world is based on consciousness and without us there there is no world, therefore, it is entirely and utterly real. We all must find the balance where we are able to fully live and let live and simply meld with everything. Life is not about questions, doubts, fears, or worries, etc. It's about being in unison with the continuum of the universe. The best thing to do when you think about the world is not to make it so concrete in your mind. It is true that whenever the human mind observes something, there is an automatic judgment and quote-unquote weight that goes with it. We need to also keep in mind that reality is a circulation of tons of information and that we can coexist with this information and use it to our will. So take your mind off the world and its challenges because it's like succumbing to an antagonist that's only there to make you stronger. Think when you want to increase your strength, you must see the pain as a gauging point that you are making progress because this resistance is not only a psychological reaction, it is also a spiritual one as well and it serves to point out to you the times at which you're encountering a leap or bound to overcome. Just as nature is designed to be self-sufficient and sustaining, us humans are no no exception to that feature. Every moment is realer than you think. When something is not positive, it is the negative that cries out for it. So you see, our emotions are constantly sending us signals and feelings so that we can target certain needs and keep us on the right track. Similar to the fact that we did not feel physical pain. Similar to the fact that if we did not feel physical pain, we could simply rip ourselves up. <laughs> Similar to the fact that if we did not feel physical pain, we could simply rip ourselves apart without a flinch. So it is all so it is also alike that we must experience emotional pain to get us to look where the problem is. Not complain about it and simply see it as a thing of spontaneous occurrence. Everything you feel, good and bad, is always real and always important. These are the balancing beams that will keep tilting until you are able to find that balance. You must reach a point where you have to be honest with yourself and take your feelings seriously and not just as something you have to endure. Everything else in life is simply a backdrop to the things you must do while in your body. Just a setting for the play. But what makes the play come to life is your presence and existence. The world is just something of an interactive place where we can either bring life to the things around us or see ourselves subjectively to those things. Much like a child playing with its toys, manifesting its imagination through those things, the toys are just supplemental to their mind. It is their own inner happiness and ability to simply exist that brings forth the emotions that that motivate them to see things not as their solid state but through the eyes of the truth and truth is always always there and when we subconsciously know we are not in alignment with it is where we find our negative emotions rise truth overcomes any hardship or circumstance you may have or had been through so please don't be so quick to shun the light away from your life if you can understand and see how each and every part of our physical selves is always working to better us you will see that it is not just simply suffering but every component working together to realize our spiritual development. I hope this made sense. Heart emoticon. I am not the greatest at articulating my thoughts, but words seem to find reason when it comes from the heart. And, and that thread goes on for another seven pages, but we will leave there. So we won't find out if the Aston Martian decided to kill himself. We will instead go to another thread. And so we'll go from that thread to a new thread in the Afterlife Forum subform. Join the conversation subform general afterlife discussions in a thread started by Corey entitled, When Does the Soul Slash Spirit 
enter the body. And it has the tags, abortion, when does the soul enter the body? And it goes like this. Does anyone know if there's any evidence on when the spirit slash slow on when the spirit slash soul enters the human body. I was telling my brackets skeptical father about all of my recent afterlife research and he was asking me about abortions and what happens to aborted fetuses in the afterlife. He was asking this sarcastically but I nonetheless told him I knew that babies that died were raised in the afterlife by deceased family members but I wasn't sure at what point the spirit entered the body to begin with. Could it possibly be at the moment of conception? I feel that if it isn't, any later point in time would feel too arbitrary to makes sense. But then my feeling about abortions kind of changes. Brackets. I'm normally pro-choice. By the way, I'm not interested in getting into politics here, but the whole abortion issue did raise an interesting afterlife question. And Mac replies, this is a topic that gets raised periodically. My answer isn't about the ethics of termination has relevance to miscarriage and well, my answer isn't about the ethics of termination has relevance to miscarriage and neonatal death. The animating spirit of one particular developing fetus may spend more time than the animating spirit of another before finally totally interpenetrating the fully developed baby at emergence into the physical world. That is the quote unquote point of no return. Although the spirit may sometimes spend a little time back in the ethereal dimension, it recently left. The important thing to remember is that from the outset body and spirit are attached to one another by the so-called silver cord brackets the quote-unquote etheric umbilical tether the link is created between the two at the time the spirit begins to animate the em animate the embryo slash fetus and roberta grimes adds Corey, Mac's answer is a good one in point of fact the body and the being who will use it seem generally to be matched either at or even before conception an attachment occurs either at conception or soon after but to be in a fetus is boring. So evidence suggests that we come and go and only begin to spend most of our time in the fetus sometime in the third trimester. But yes, abortion always ends a human life that has been carefully prepared to enter an incarnation. That being the case, aborted or miscarried fetuses do need to grow up in the afterlife levels, which is a process that seems to take just a few earth years in most cases. And Corey replies, thanks for the responses, guys. That explains... <laughs> That explanation makes complete sense. But what if they're aborted within a month of conception? What would there really be to quote-unquote grow up or raise in the afterlife? That's the only part that stumps me. And Mac replies, I agree. It's a tough one to figure. Perhaps breaking the situation into small parts might help. If we accept the notion of survival and what's been taught repeatedly by teachers and guides, at physical death the animating spirit of any incarnate returns whence it came, back to the so-called world of the spirit. The physical body it animated could be anything, from not even born right up to the oldest, frailest one but the process for either essentially remains the same. The so-called silver cord breaks at physical death, body and soul, quote-unquote, part company. On return to the etheric world, it's been taught that we will have an etheric body counterpart of the one in which we were last living. It's also taught our bodies will be unaffected by the ailments experienced when incarnate. If we died old, then after a time, our forms will revert to those of mature but not geriatric adults. That state will presumably be brought about under our spirit's control of our etheric etheric forms. Additionally, those who die old and frail will look younger by the same token. Those who pass before mature adulthood, again presumably, will control their immature etheric bodies to bring them to maturity. In doing that, it appears they will pass through the stages of childhood they didn't experience in the physical world. Immature spirit forms will be nurtured and supported ways similar to how children here are cared for. It's arguable that many important experiences of childhood on Earth 
will be missing in the etheric, so, quote-unquote, growing up there will be different. It's not easy to grasp, and I admit it's something whose details I still puzzle over. Before long, though, I'll be, quote-unquote, over there, and things should again be clear. Grinning Emoticon. And Wildershin 3 writes, This has always interested me, too, since I had several miscarriages back in the 60s. Over the years since then, I've read a ton of books written by mediums and talked to a really gifted medium about it, and the only people who said the soul was, quote-unquote, in residence in the fetus from conception were folks who had very strong conservative religious beliefs. The vast majority said that the soul didn't fully inhabit the new body until about midway through the pregnancy, and that in some cases it didn't stay full-time until just before birth. Brackets, though the body may have been selected very early on the basis of the parents' qualities. And I can't recall many authors on The Afterlife who haven't talked about the many children being raised in a breathtakingly beautiful summerland-like place. Even some people who are just having NDEs or OBEs and OBE stands for out-of-body experience, have reported seeing them in care of relatives and souls who have an interest in nurturing children. I wish so much this was better known, since many women suffer guilt for a lifetime after abortion or miscarriage. And Mac replies, At the risk of repeating myself, if I've already said this, it seems to me that the more experienced the animating spirit is, the more incarnations it has had, then the more adept it should be at animating the developing body it has chosen. If that's the case, it seems logical to me that a more experienced soul will know how to control its developing body, quote-unquote, from a distance, whereas a less experienced one, or perhaps one about to take its first incarnation, may need to interpenetrate slash lodge in the developing body more early and more fully. That means there's no single point before birth in which all spirits integrate fully into their new bodies. However, from the special moment where the new life form starts its journey in the physical dimension, the animating spirit commits to its role, and death of the new body will occur if it later decides to withdraw its commitment. And Annie replies, I've always had an impression that a soul will come and go between the corporeal fetus body and the spirit world prior to birth. Or like Mac is saying, maybe it all occurs from a distance until that first breath, which is when a person loses their pre-life memories and can no longer go back. So abortion slash miscarriage doesn't necessarily wipe the slate clean because the soul was not yet completely attached to the body and the individual might just go pick up where they left off in the afterlife. The reason I use italics is because I think it's likely that, as Roberta said, the soul becomes more attached further along the pregnancy, and some souls might become more attached than others at earlier stages too. I am definitely pro-choice, but very much in the sooner-the-better kind of way. And Corey replies, Wow, something I never thought of was what Max said, that if the soul withdraws its commitment to a life, then the baby won't survive the birth. I never considered that as a reason for stillbirths or miscarriages. How interesting. I guess these details don't matter too much, but it is interesting to speculate. Grinning emoticon. And Mac replies, I asked a highly knowledgeable and widely experienced friend about the point we're discussing. He told me very simply that the link is made from the very earliest point that the spirit commits to animating the fertilized egg. Put a different way, the soul-slash-spirit becomes attached from the very earliest time we can imagine, the point where a sperm fertilizes an egg. At all points after that, the link is permanent and even the death, intentional or accidental, of the fertilized egg doesn't change that. Put it another way, deliberate termination of pregnancy or miscarrying the developed fetus doesn't alter the status of the would-be animating spirit. The commitment has been made even if the spirit later withdraws from life incarnate. And Annie replies, 
Most miscarriages occur during the first trimester, and it's fairly common, so it doesn't seem likely that a fetus probably does not survive if a soul changes his slash her mind. Since most miscarriages happen early on, it seems that most souls make a decision within the first 12 weeks or so, but not always. I've read slash heard that babies are more spiritually aware than we realize, and that even in very rare cases, some might choose to go back even after birth in the early stages of infancy, resulting in SIDS, which stands for Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Not 100% sure about that, though, and I don't know if the soul would go back to the afterlife with pre-birth memories or more of a blank slate. My guess would be the former, or I would hope so anyway. I realize I'm contradicting my earlier post when I said, quote-unquote, a person loses their pre-life memories and can no longer go back after the first breath here. Smiling emoticon. The more I think about it, the more I don't really know when someone would lose their pre-life memories. Is it the moment of conception, sometimes in the middle of pregnancy, or could it even be the first few months of life? When is it that we stop controlling a body from a distance and feel like we finally, permanently enter it? I think there are a lot of gray areas here. And George K. adds, Hi, I am new here. What I can understand is that the spirit enters the body shortly after birth. I am a male, so forgive me for this one. I understand that at the moment of birth, the baby is slapped on the back by the midwife? Is that the moment the soul enters the body and realizes the physical anguish of pain away from the spirit world and begins to cry? If you think about it, there is no logical reason why a spirit-slash-soul should spend nine months in the tummy without much purpose. Just my thoughts. And Mac replies, Forgiveness for being male isn't necessary. I have seen no authoritative guidance over exactly when the soul-slash-spirit finally embeds in the baby, and although your idea is likely shared by others, it doesn't mean it's correct. I would make arguments against the point you've made, so we'd end up with opposing perspectives on the subject and still with no certainty whether either of us is right. And George K. replies, I recollect reading this many years ago in one of the Lobsang Rampa's books. He made a point about reincarnation and lessons to be learned in the physical. The bit what I found interesting was his evaluation on suicides, plus the aspect of babies dying at birth. It makes a sad point towards Christianity as to whether the soul enters eternal torment or goes to heaven. Christians cannot answer this one as it does not explain the purpose of christening or or repentance. He makes the point that if a person commits suicide, then they are shortening their allotted time on earth. If, let's say, a minute or even hours, take someone who is terminally ill and has youth and Asia. They are reborn, but live with their correct span of how many years they should have lived by being born in another body. Personally, based on these principles, I see no reason why the soul should enter long before birth. There is also the point of a trinity, that we as humans are consistent of three bodies, whilst animals only have two, brackets except some animals. The spirit is that from God, as we have a physical and also a soul, similar to the Son, the Father, and the Holy Ghost. Just my opinion. And Mac replies, I prefer to stick to one point at a time. Suicide and euthanasia are other issues altogether, each deserving of their own threads, something we've given in the past. And the actual situation isn't anything directly to do with any of our man-made religions. Some teachings may encompass some of that situation, but don't explain the whole picture. And George K. replies, Agreed. Yet, to ascertain certain things, there has to be a purpose. No one will ever know when the soul or spirit enters the body. The wider picture often tells a story even though there are inconsistencies. By evaluating the purpose of life may unravel its mysteries as this is all we have got to play with, unless there is a special multimeter that we can probe with. 
LOL. I do not profess to know the answer, but we can always take these things further and look at the persona and to what actually follows development. Certain mediums can see the aura, and I believe that, slash, maybe. There has been an agreement within the world of parapsychologists that the aura forms at a certain time? As a man, I think, quote-unquote, does it matter? To a woman, it is a different story as she carries the child from the point of conception. To lose a child may be harsh indeed, so I think it has to be a key consideration as to what point the child is actually a child? And Mac replies, Your liberal use of question marks at the end of sentences that are apparently statements leaves me confused whether you're actually making statements or asking questions. Cockeyed emoticon. But we were discussing the point that an animating spirit quote-unquote embeds or interpenetrates the developing body fully and finally. From my experience, there was no confusion about it when a child's a child, whether it's a woman or even a man's perspective. I'm a male, and there was never any doubt that my child was a child for me long enough before his neonatal death. My wife and I experienced his loss as different people and as different genders, but he was a child for both of us long before he left us. And George K. replies, both, as I do not want to appear too presumptuous. People do not like to read a quote-unquote big head, and many have said that I make out that I know it all. In a way, I do, but that would not be fair if I asked questions expecting to know the answers. In retrospect, the subject is very ambiguous, as no one can be 100% sure, although we can be pretty sure. I like to know what others think as well. My senses tell me that you have been through a lot and have lost many, as you too want to feel that there has to be a better world. And although the thread goes on for quite a while, with George, Kay, and Mac picking each other's statements apart for another seven pages, we'll leave this thread. And we'll go to a new thread in the afterlifeforums.com subforum, join the conversation, subforum after death communication, in a thread started by Bluebird, entitled, Has Anyone Here Actually Seen a Loved One After Death? And it goes like this. Hello, I am new to this site. Brought here by my extreme grief. My husband and I were together for nearly 13 years, married for only one week when he died of a completely unexpected heart attack at age 40. I cannot begin to describe to you the depth of my grief. It is all-encompassing. I have no desire or will to live without him. I am very angry at God, if there is one, brackets, I am agnostic, for taking my love from me. I am angry because he and I were not allowed to live out our lives together, as we should have. To buy a house, to have kids, to grow old together, nothing will ever change how I feel about that. More devastating and important, however, is the idea slash possibility of my soulmate no longer existing. I need to know that he still exists, that he is still himself, brackets, as opposed to just some amorphous part of a larger spiritual whole, that he is happy and okay, and that he and I will be together again. Quite honestly, I really want to kill myself because life is unbearable without my love here with me. I won't, partially because I promised my family I wouldn't, and partially because I'm not sure if I would end up where he is. Assuming there is any any sort of afterlife. Because I am agnostics, brackets, as was my husband, I don't know if there is a God or an afterlife or anything. I have begged and pleaded and prayed for my love to appear to me, to let me know himself that he is okay and that we will be together again. I truly think that his appearance would be the only thing that would comfort me beyond all doubt. I can only believe him. I have seen other things that may be quote-unquote signs from him, and I am very grateful for them, but I cannot 100% believe they are proof of his continued existence and an afterlife, because I so 
much want and need him to still exist that I cannot believe or trust my own perceptions in case they are just wishful thinking on my part. So somehow, I keep trying to have other people's experience help convince me, which mostly they don't. But nonetheless, I would like very much to hear any stories any of you have of having actually seen your loved ones who have died and perhaps talked with them, etc. Not stories of, quote-unquote, I heard his favorite song on the radio just as I was thinking about him, or, quote-unquote, I keep finding pennies out of nowhere with her birth year on them, but actual visual meetings, since that is what I hope and pray for for me and my love. Thank you for reading. And Truth Seeker ads. Hi, welcome. Be assured that your husband lives on. Smiling emoticon. I will recommend you this free .pdf book, which can be read on the computer. It proves the life after death in scientific way. It includes many Nobel Prize winners and genius researchers. This book includes communications from the other side, where they tell us they are in a beautiful place beyond words with a healthy-looking young body and everybody are very happy to be there. This book lifted me from a depression I had given me hope with irrefutable evidence that this life is only a brief passage and that we live on. Here's the link. There's a link. Oh, it still is there. It is a PDF entitled A Lawyer Presents the Case for the Afterlife by Victor James Zamet. I will link to it on the blog post. It is... 249 pages long. In regard to the other question, I have a very close friend whose mom passed away a year ago, a prox. She has always been a woman who liked to have her house very clean. Months after she passed away, a friend of the family reunited in their house and asked for their mom. They said, haven't you know that she died six months ago? The guy face turned white and he almost passed out. He then proceeded to tell them that a few days ago, he passed by the house and met with their mom outside who was sweeping leaves. And he said, hi, how are you doing? And she responded, well, thanks. What are you doing? Here, cleaning the house. If I don't do it, nobody does it. Well, that's fine. And then they exchanged a few more words, and then he left. My friend has also told me that more than one person have seen her mom shadow or silhouette around the house. I have been present when strange things happen, like the water faucet opening by itself when we were speaking about her. They watched the blender turning it on by itself, and a few more things. And Bluebird replies, Truth Seeker, thank you for responding and relaying the stories about your friend's deceased mother. Thanks also for the link to the PDF book. I have saved it and will read it another time. I wish I could, quote unquote, be assured that my husband lives on. It is incomprehensible to me that he would not, but at the same time, it is so desperately important to me that he does, and so I wish I could know for sure. And Pink Roses replies, Bluebird, I am sorry for your loss. I know very well that feeling of desperately wanting and needing a loved one to still exist after death. I went through great lengths recently to prove that someone I cared about lived on. Just the thought of him being prematurely gone forever left a scarred, nauseating feeling inside of me. I just couldn't bear the thought of him no longer existing. To answer your main question, quote-unquote, no. I have never actually, quote-unquote, seen a deceased loved one in a traditional sense. I think these experiences are quite rare, but that doesn't mean they don't happen sometimes so that your loved one doesn't live on. From what I've read, it is very difficult and takes a great deal of energy for the deceased to appear in physical form. When you think about this, it makes sense. How is it possible for something that lacks physical form and characteristics to appear physical? For comparison, that would be like asking the wind to appear as a tree. Just because we can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We don't doubt the existence of air, or love, although we can't see either. I know it's hard to believe in something you can't prove concretely, 
I've struggled with the same question myself. But what I can tell you is keep asking your questions and keep an open mind as to how the answers will appear. What helped me is to talk aloud to the person who passed away and actually ask him questions. I was actually surprised with the answers I received because they came in ways I could not have imagined. One of the most amazing experiences was when I was trying to prove he could actually hear me and send me signs and that I wasn't just imagining it all. I asked him to send me a pink rose. I saw a few things that could have been my sign, but dismissed them and challenged him to do better. Then one day I was at a park and I was about to sit down on a bench when I noticed something under my seat. It was a pink fabric rose. No, I didn't see him standing there, but the joy and love I felt at that moment was amazing. I sincerely hope that you have a moment like this, one where you will no longer need to see your husband to know he's still around, that he is with you and trying to reach out to you, even if you can't physically see him. And Millie replies, Hi, Bluebird. I lost my boyfriend of six years last year. I was devastated, heartbroken, and wanted to kill myself, just like you. I have had many signs. Last night, I went out to dinner with his family, which my boyfriend would have loved. I think he wants us to be there for each other through his death and bond, if you will. Anyway, I haven't seen many signs lately, but this morning I finally got some. Over the past year, I have seen 111 or 1111 everywhere. Time, GPS systems, exercise machines, license plates, and all at strange moments. Even his death happened on 12-11-11. As I was driving to school, my GPS system wouldn't stop falling down. It was driving me insane because this doesn't happen ever. When I kept trying to get it to stay up, I would notice that I had 1.1 miles left or 11 minutes left. Basically a lot of ones. I usually don't take the route my GPS gives me, but today I did and as I was turning onto the street, I looked at the house on my left and noticed the house number was 111 in huge numbers. I know this was a sign from him. There were too many coincidences for it to be ruled out. I like your name, by the way. My boyfriend's nickname was Bluebird. In fact, I got two Bluebirds tattooed to my side after he passed. Grief is hard work. I hope you find some peace on this site. And Bluebird replies, Thank you for sharing, Pink Rose. I have had a few signs or things that might be considered signs. Actually, they are things that would probably convince a lot of other people. I do treasure them, but it is so important that I know for sure that my love is okay, you know? So that I'm afraid to fully trust any signs. I don't understand why I haven't been able slash allowed, whatever, to see him even if briefly. He was agnostic, as am I, so he knows how much I doubt. He also knows how much I love him so he knows how much i need to know he is okay and that we'll be together again i have read in various places including here that grief can prevent such appearances but that makes no sense to me why would god or the universe or whatever not allow people most in need to see their loved ones people who have faith in an afterlife don't need that proof as much brackets not that they shouldn't get it or don't deserve it just that they aren't so desperate Millie, I am sorry for your loss. It does sound like you feel or felt a lot like I do. As I mentioned to Pink Roses, I have had signs, brackets, I may go into them some other time, but I don't feel up to it right now, for which I am grateful, but it is just not enough. Oh, and my username here has to do with one of the signs. That's why I chose it. And Anonymous posts, Hi, Bluebird. A member of this forum, Bella, saw her husband. And quotes what Bella said in an earlier thread. I am new to this forum, but it has already brought me such comfort. My husband, best friend, and soulmate passed away May 3rd, and I'm having trouble getting through each day. My heart flutters, and sometimes I find I can't breathe. Brackets, although cardiac tests show nothing wrong. I have gotten comfort through speaking to a medium, and most recently from emails from Craig Hogan. I believe my husband communicated with me a few days ago after I was able to relax listening to Roberta Grimes describe the afterlife online. I found myself somewhere between awakened and 
sleeping state, and before I knew it, I became aware of my husband waving his arms very quickly in front of me as though trying to get my attention. It looked like he was gesturing, quote-unquote, hey, look at me quick before I fade. This image was much different from what my own mind would have created as he was vibrating incredibly quickly. I stared hard at him while he gestured, and then he just faded, as though he could not maintain the energy to stay in front of me. Has anyone ever experienced anything like this, or can anyone help explain it? End quote. I have no doubt we continue on in the afterlife after the death of the body. I've taken classes in mediumship at the Spiritualist Church and have communicated with many different spirits. I describe some of the, my experiences on my website. I also have a webpage on the evidence of the afterlife. Have no doubt that he still exists. And Bluebird replies, Thank you for posting that, Anonymous. I feel like my husband and slash or God may feel like I'm expecting too much, and maybe I am, but I am wary of just seeing him in dreams. That is, I would love to see him in a dream if it were a true visitation dream, but even then, I'm not sure I'd be able to believe it. I so much want to see him for real in front of me, though I know that is very rare. I will have a look at your webpages you link to. Thank you, but I do have doubt. I can't help it. I wish I didn't. I wish I had an unassailable faith in the afterlife and in God, but I just don't. Also, I just want to add that I do have some psychic ability. Brackets runs in the family. Although apparently much less than I thought because it isn't allowing me to see my love. And that is heartbreaking. And we'll leave that thread and go to another thread in the afterlife forums in the subforum. Join the conversation. Subforum Afterlife Evidence. In a thread started by Jane F. entitled, Share Your Mystical Experiences Here. And it goes like this. Hi, all. Please share your mystical experiences here. Premonitions, intuitions, whatever. And Soul to Soul writes, Happy to be your first responder, Jane. As per other posts, there have been many experiences this lifetime. So let's go back to the first about 62 years ago. My first memory, I was a gleefully happy little boy. Then my second memory, I was outside my body looking at my frozen little two and a half year old self. Yes, this new house was cold, but that wasn't the cause. I was frozen with fear having lost my home and my language. We had moved out of my warm French mother's parents' house in Sydney, where I was born, to my Australian father's big cold house. I couldn't speak a word of English, which upset Nana, so French was forbidden. Mom and I and my little sister only moved about six to seven miles, but it may as well have been across the galaxy. You see, Nana was a stranger, and I barely saw Mimi and Pipi again. My father had never spoken to us because I wasn't a girl. I was the firstborn of my generation to both families. My third memory, I was five, begging my mother not to make me go inside the gate first day of school. To this day, I don't remember anything inside the school fence till fifth class. No classrooms, playground teachers, fellow pupils, nothing. Five years abyss. So I had learned the human art of self-protection very early. Shut it out. The one watching the little boy was carrying me through the trauma. Then we uprooted and moved far away and it became a whole new challenge. Yes, I had been coming out of the fear and just starting to feel okay. To be continued. Hope this posts. Michael. I don't think any of those count as mystical experiences. Anyway. And Nirvana adds, I might have shared this already, but I'm not sure. It was indirectly precipitated by cannabis use. So minutes after the inhalation of cannabis smoke, I started pacing back and forth, brackets like I usually do, thinking about a girl I've always been obsessed with. Eventually, I seemed to have received a vision of a male having rough and mean intercourse with her, commanding her to say his name during. The vision caused me enough grief that I had to sit down in a chair, and I believe at that moment my ego mind actually stopped slash surrendered. I felt a very strong energy in my brain that scared me at first, but I soon realized that it was a perfect euphoric bliss. I let it just happen for 10 seconds or so, smiling very hard with tears running down my face. But I suppose my ego mind came back shaking my head 
quote unquote, no, and feeling I was unworthy of the bliss. I feel that I received a message before rejecting the bliss to the effect of, I am that bliss, or I am God, or I am directly connected to that bliss of God at all times, like a net that will catch me when I fall. This happened around October 2011, but I think I've still failed to integrate it at this point of my life. Frowning emoticon. And Jane F. adds, My first experience that made me a believer in an afterlife slash reincarnation is that I can remember as a baby thinking, quote unquote, I must remember to tell my mother what I know. It was exciting information I could not wait to tell her. It was before I could talk. I would constantly say to myself, quote unquote, Don't forget, don't forget. But I did forget what it was. But I think it was about her as a little girl when her mother died when she was three years old. I only have one picture of my biological grandmother on her wedding day, and I have a sense I might have been her. And Roberta Grimes adds, I didn't share my first mystical experience for 35 years, but once my mother had a similar experience, I realized I wasn't weird after all, and I began to tell it to everyone. When I was eight years old, I woke up in darkness and realized there was no God, and I was terrified. In the midst of my terror, there was a brilliant flash of white light in the room, like burning magnesium, but it didn't affect my eyes. A young male voice said, quote, unquote, you wouldn't know what it is to have me unless you know what it is to be without me. I will never leave you again. Brackets. Eventually, I concluded that it was my spirit guide, and he spoke to me from a similar flash of light again when I was 20. From that day on, I have always known that I was eternally safe, that this world was illusory, that there had to be a whole lot of something behind the curtain. I spent more than half of a century trying to understand what it was, and eventually I did figure it out, but it took a while. As a child, I assumed that an experience of light must be a common event since it happened to me, but I have come to think that such experiences happen to no more than maybe 2-3% to of the population. There are some reported in the Bible, though. Moses with his burning bush that talks and is not consumed, Paul's encounter with Jesus on the road that resulted in his conversion. I have never met anyone who had a similar experience and was not rocked and irrevocably altered by it. And Poetic Blue writes, Riding on unicorns slash horses, swimming in a canoe with panthers, brackets OBEs, by the way, Having a flock of children in my dreams call me by a different name, seeing Earth from a different dimension. It is always very beautiful looking at Earth during an OBE, and yet when we experience it earthly, and yet when we experience Earth, it is ugly. Being handed gifts, hugs, and kisses during OBEs, being told I am loved and to never give up brackets during an OBE. Also, my daughter tells me that she dreams what I dream. I was also told in yet another dream that my brother has died in a past life and I am carrying the guilt into this life. The irony is that I have always wanted a brother or sister in this life, but my mom couldn't have any other children but me. I drive around with a plastic-shaped heart filled with rainbow sand. My daughter gave it to me on Christmas. The most fascinating part is that a rainbow heart was given to me in an OBE by a gentleman who I felt was my brother-slash-best friend who died. It was as if my child knew to give this to me, and it was on Christmas Day. My daughter knew nothing of this dream, but she still gave it to me anyway. I'm starting to think that she was him in a past life. Whenever I feel sad, I grip the rainbow heart with my right hand and move on with life. It protects me. By all means, I should be dead. Thanks to my daughter, dreams, and friends who truly understand me, brackets both dead and alive, I am here. I just had someone I knew for 10 years, brackets since we were teenagers, contact me a week ago. I was explaining to him about kindred spirits and soul groups. He seemed to understand me more now than when we were quote-unquote kids. Everything comes full circle. In general, I love people, just not certain people. 
I get it now, but it still hurts because the true reality is when I am dead. But I will finish what I started. I only remain alive for my child and the patience that others have given me. So I will give it back to them and more. And Marmalade Cat writes, I have had a few experiences of the year which seem to fall somewhat outside of the norm. One of my earliest experiences, which were recounted to me by my mom when I was very young, brackets probably around three years old. My mom has mentioned that I had an quote-unquote invisible friend who I used to chat to on my own quite a lot. When my mom asked me who I was talking to, I replied, quote-unquote, Thomasina. For years, I never really thought about this apart from thinking that it was quite an odd name and not one I was familiar with before. It was only recently that I looked the name up on Google, and one of the first few links was a film and book, quote-unquote, The Three Lives of Thomasina, which was all about a cat who dies and comes back in a resurrected life to her owner. The film seems to carry a lot of spiritual themes that are very relevant to my interest in the afterlife and the relationship of love, God, and eternal life. After the discussion with my mom, it seemed unlikely that I would have seen the film or Ben read the book as we had very little television slash film viewing, brackets early 70s, and my mom being Japanese, did not have a lot of European or British cultural reference at that time, so this name would have been quite unusual for her. Another interesting coincidence is the meaning of Thomasina, brackets Aramaic, which apparently is twin, I now have twin ID boys, smiling emoticon. And dopier ads. Hi all, I'm not quite sure what my experience would qualify as, although it shook me from head to toes at the time because I had no prior knowledge that this kind of love existed. I was having a turbulent period with my church because I was asking too many questions that gave the appearance I wasn't fully on board. In reality, I had no ulterior motives, brackets or so I thought, in terms of leaving the church or causing trouble. I just didn't understand why there were things said that in my opinion were not fully followed. I guess in my feeble mind, I wanted to make the church better. On Friday evening after some regular meetings, I left the church so frustrated that I started crying once I got home. I sat on my bed feeling so frustrated as to why people couldn't understand I only meant good. I started praying, although I would say it was mainly out of frustration. I think my frustration was mostly directed at God, brackets obviously from the standpoint of how I saw him slash her slash it back then. And then it was as if there was a laser, brackets no light, just instinctively piercing through the ceiling from above that struck me and I was hit with this love that instantaneously changed my prayer to pure thanksgiving, brackets that explanation did not really come close to how I truly felt. But what was more important is the love. I think it's a futile exercise trying to convince folks out of anything that they want to do or believe. Just wait until they start feeling this love. It's probably pretentious of me to say, but I would want to know anyone with this kind of love that didn't change. I have gotten glimpses of it since that moment, but I can only imagine when I should be living in this and more eternally. Ha, folks, I don't mean to be preachy on you, but I think it's going to be all right after it's all said and done. Sorry for the long ramblings. And Poetic Blue adds, Perfect time to post this. I left work today and drove to my daughter's school to pick her up. I had a feeling that she had hurt herself. I was driving in my car and saw in my mind that she had hurt her face. I kept telling myself this wasn't real and that I was just being paranoid. So I walked inside her school to pick her up and one of the after-school teachers pulled me aside. My stomach instantly dropped. The teacher told me that my daughter had banged her head extremely hard on a table. I asked if she was okay. She said, quote, unquote, oh yeah, she's fine. We've just been putting ice on her forehead. My child, brackets, Gabby, finally walked out of the library, which is where they keep children in after school. The first thing I did was hugged her and looked at her face. Not a scratch on her, but there was a bump on her forehead where she had accidentally hit her face. She told me that she hurt herself. And I told her, quote, unquote, yes, I know. Winking emoticon. And the escapist ads. This is such a nice thread. 
I have had a few mystical experiences, I guess. The first one happened when I was 15 and my sister had just moved out and my family's life was in complete turmoil, to say the least. I remembered being outside in my backyard with my dog and thinking that if this was all there was to life, I hated it because I felt completely lost and depressed. Then something hit me out of nowhere and it was like my life went from being blurry to being in full HD and I felt an immense amount of unconditional love. It was so overwhelming that I started bawling in my backyard with my dog. The second experience was with my ex, whom I talk about a lot here. The man that I still consider to be one of my soulmates and my twin flame for anyone who's familiar with the term. Lots of weird things happened between us. First, when we first met, I knew I loved him unconditionally before I knew anything about him. We met online, so I didn't know his age, if he was really a guy, etc. I predicted his young death with a dream I had that ultimately led me flying over 3,000 miles to go see him for one day out of the blue. Then a few days before he died, I felt an overwhelming urge to write him a letter and send it to him ASAP out of the blue. Other than those two main things, I haven't had any real mystical experiences in my life. I've tried astral projecting and always almost get out of my body, but then my brain goes into overdrive and starts to pull me back in. So I'm still working on that. And Jane F. adds, Last night, my skeptic son admitted to us that he'd seen a ghost as a teenager. Brackets, although he says he doesn't believe in them. Question marks? He and a friend were at the end of our street where an old home had been moved, creating a dead end. They were sitting at the fenced-off area sneaking a cigarette when a little girl on a tricycle came out of nowhere riding around in a circle in the circle driveway. He yelled out at her, asking her how did she get through the fence. She yelled back, quote-unquote, there is no fence. He and his friend looked at each other, and then when they looked back towards her, she was not there. Gone. This is the first accounting I've ever heard of that they speak. And Highlander adds, what kind of cigarette? Were they sneaking? And Jane F. writes, LOL, Highlander, probably would have mine since I smoked then. Ugh. Marlboro said he was so freaked out, afraid to tell me about it. Probably afraid I would be asking the same question. LOL. Go Giants! And Jane F. adds again, I had a quote-unquote visitation from my departed mother a few nights ago. I was not asleep yet. I had been meditating about one of my sons that's going through a serious problem, asking spirits for help. Suddenly, she walked right in, coming closer, and I was so startled to see her, my heart was pounding in my chest. I could see her very vividly, even the clothes she was wearing, an animal print blouse and pants. Unfortunately, I jumped up and ended it. Didn't get a message, but a medium from the church said she's watching over him, which is comforting. Just to clarify, this was behind my closed eyes, not physically in the room. And Ravensgate adds, I cannot stand when that happens, JNF. Not that it happens a lot to me, but I can remember of one time only when I did not get sort of startled and brought it to an end, so to speak. Don't know about you, but for me, it's difficult not to, quote unquote, jump up, LOL. As I said, one time only was I able to, quote unquote, stay with it, and it was a superb experience. No doubt she is watching over him, and over you too, grinning emoticon. And Jane F. writes, Just to clarify, I saw her behind my closed eyes, although it looked like she was in my room walking from the bathroom towards the bed. It has never happened to me before. Next time I will not jump up, startled emoticon. And Ravensgate adds, Behind closed eyes, IMHO, is still a visit from her. With me, they all happened with my eyes open, so you can imagine how wide they got when I saw what I saw, LOL or when I saw my German shepherd dog, that day I was 100% awake, reading, got up, went to investigate, and there she was. So I, brackets, sort of screamed with joy, quote-unquote, pops! And within a few seconds, she was gone. Briefly looked behind her, then me, then gone, frowning emoticon. So I hope to experience another visit from my other pet who crossed the rainbow bridge just a few days ago. I hope, I hope, I hope, grinning emoticon. 
Well, what did you think of that? This is a uh, forum, clearly, for people who really, really, really want there to be an afterlife. All the evidence is purely anecdotal, theoretical, not provable. But, you know, some people just gotta believe. And, you know, whatever. It's one of those things. <laughs> Whether it's just because of grief, or because they want people to buy their book, or whatever, it's just very fascinating. And there's, uh, if, on this th website itself, there's lots of that discussions about like spirit photography which is when you take a picture and there is a blur or blob in the picture that's supposedly a spirit there's lots of stuff about um past life regression and, which if you want to believe in that stuff okay sure that's uh a lot of wishful thinking and even in this mystical experiences thread most of it is like i was half awake or literally asleep <laughs> or in a meditative state in which you know if you've ever done successful meditation uh you know you're kind of out of it so your brain's a pretty amazing thing and can do all kinds of uh cool things to your vision and your they did that experiment where like they exposed people's brains to a certain electric frequency many of the people who were exposed to that certain electrical frequency said they felt there was a presence in the room and they had sort of mystical experiences. Like I said, the brain, pretty amazing, not infallible, because it allows us to think all kinds of crazy things. But that's imagination for you, so. Am I a dirty disbeliever? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I've seen some pretty amazing things when I was half awake or, like I said, brain, fascinating. I did have a dream where my father, who was deceased, came to visit, or it was like in my mom's house, and uh, he was there, and we both went into, we were looking for something in this front closet, which is always jammed full of coats, and I kind of realized, like, hey, wait, you're dead. And he was crying because he knew he was dead. And then I woke up. Do I believe this was him actually visiting me? No. Do I believe it was a dream? Yeah, it was a dream. <laughs> had lots of dreams. And similarly to the woman who grew up in the 50s, I, you know, in the 80s when I was growing up, I had dreams about nuclear explosions. Those are stress dreams. There's dreams that are wish fulfillment dreams. There's a whole industry about dreams. And that is all. I wasn't visited by a nuclear explosion that I knew in a previous life or that died. <laughs> it was actually the ghost of Nagasaki's atomic bomb visiting me in a dream. That's what I think. Anyway, if you believe it, go bananas. You know, ghost stories, certain kinds of ghost stories can be kind of give you the chills or whatever. There have been times in my when I was younger where I was just, I read something and be like, oh my God, that's so crazy. Or look at this, this video of someone caught a, a ghost on video. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, being able to levitate. No one, no one can do it in a room full of people. And that's, uh, that's great. And you know, that's why mediums in the state of New York City are uh, an entertainment, not, you can't get a license to be a real psychic or a person who can uh, tell the future, or you can't get a, an actual license to be a, a, a paranormal ghost talker tour. Anyway, again, if you want to believe in it, that's up to you. It's interesting to read, but it also feels like a lot of self-delusion to me as an outsider. If you believe, again, go right ahead. Anyway, not to belabor the point, which I have. So, moving on. As always, thank you again for listening. Thanks for spreading the word about Lou Reed's. Thanks for sharing it with your friends on long car rides. Thanks for everything. And thanks for writing reviews on iTunes if you get a chance. And as always, I'm trying to go through and read some of the reviews every month to, uh, you know, inspire you. If you haven't written a review, 
please write a review. And in keeping with that, I will be reading three reviews from the Canadian version of iTunes that it's very difficult, it's very annoying to find these other reviews from other countries, but it's possible to do. And so I will do so now. Um, so this is, comes from the Canadian version of iTunes. And the first one is uh, customer review. Lou reads equals good by underscore nine. Five, oh, four stars. You forgot, seem to have forgotten a star. There are very few things in this world that are truly funny and informative. This is your podcast. How else would you even know if you were turning into a vampire or what it's like to be on crystal meth? Lou's sweet, soothing voice and occasional quip are bonus to the endless, hilarious material that abounds on the interweb. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. Second one is entitled Long Live King Lou by Rupert Buttermilk. As a member of the Something Awful forums, I heard about this podcast through there. It was given high praise and I can see why. I'm not 100% sure why it is that I really, really enjoy having horrible slash weird slash disgusting slash immoral threads and posts read aloud to me while I do other work. But my God, never stop, Lou. Never, ever stop. Speaking of stopping, the only episode I had to actually turn off and not finish was the quote-unquote pee-drinking one. I just could not do it. And there's a lot of filth out there, but for some reason, that one got to me the most. That being said, I commend Sir Lou for trudging through it all to bring us what is inexplicably entertaining. And finally, hilarious, disgusting, uplifting, depressing, this podcast has it all. Five stars by David Kennedy. This has got to be one of the funniest podcasts I know of. Not only is the content that Lou reads from hilarious, his deadpan on the brink of busting delivery makes for a very, very entertaining listening experience. I've even got my girlfriend loving the show, and it's been awesome watching her naive, innocent mind becoming exposed to the depravity of the internet. Keep up the good work, Lou. And I will. Thank you, everyone who has written those reviews over the years. I'm sure many of them are pretty old. But that's why I ask every episode. Please feel free to write a review of Lou Reads on iTunes or wherever you download this podcast from. Um, as always... I still have magnets. If you want a magnet, please email me at loureads at gmail.com. I just got a magnet request yesterday, and I felt good, so I'm going to send it out today. Uh, and there's also the t-shirts that are available at bonfire.com. Just have to search for Lou Reads there to find it. And I think that's it for this episode. I hope that this is an episode that you will take with you to the afterlife and soon. Anyway, my name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet. Afterlife forums for you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.